first thing in my morning really like makes my day so much better. I get excited about this all day because I have to wait all day to do it. Yeah, you have a full work day before we start recording. Well, poor you. You have to you have to wake up to like a hundred text messages from me because I've already had a full day. And yeah, I'm, my brain is just going. And you at seven a.m. You're like, really. Jamie, you've gone through six Gemini related crises by the time I wake up. And then I'm like, OK, I've got this. But in a half asleep state and pre-caffeinated. Exactly. It's a very it's a good dynamic. Um, Welcome back, everyone, all of our listeners. This is Feeling Feelings, conversations about the highs and lows of being an artist. And we appreciate you uh, continuing to join us on our journey to, I don't know, work out our own shit. That's kind of feels like what we're doing here. <laughs> it does. It's I want to say that it's not because I feel like I want to be more evolved than that, but uh, it's there there's some things being worked it is. out. That's honestly what this is is like the, this podcast, I think podcasting in general is like the new reality TV of like I want to hear these people who I kind of know or maybe don't know at all work their shit out. Yeah, like we're just trying to figure it out. We're talking about our feelings. We're being as honest as possible. And maybe we'll have some epiphanies. Maybe we'll heal. Maybe we'll just know ourselves a little bit better. Maybe think- we'll make some mistakes and say some nonsense that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. We're just humans all on this yeah. earth trying to figure it out together. <laughs> uh, we're already deep and we're like a minute in. I yeah. love it. I love yeah. it. That's what happens. That's what happens when I wake up to a million texts. Yeah, you got to get into the zone real quickly. (laughs) Jamie, are you ready for highs and lows? Highs and lows. Highs and lows. Highs and lows. lows. I did a different move this time. I'm doing some sort of shimmy thing. I really, I'm glad no one can see me, but at the same time, I kind of wish people could see me do that. I added my foot in just in case. Like, you know, people wanted to picture me doing something a little bit different. I was like kicking my foot around. Oh, all right, all right. Fancy, <laughs> fancy. Um, who starts? Where are you. we? You I start. start. Okay, mm-hmm. let's see. So my high is, okay, I have a thing with cereal. So Ooh. I know this is has nothing to do with where we're, where we're going with this episode, but it's fine. I, I do this thing where I like forget about cereal. Like, I I don't know why. I just, like, forget it exists. It's not something that I have on a daily basis. But then when I buy cereal, like, I just get that craving. As in today, I was leaving the gym, and I was like, I need a bottle of water. Like, very bad because I just needed water. So I walk into a grocery store, and I see cereal. Like, I walked by the cereal aisle, and I was like, oh, man, that's a good idea. And like already I've had two bowls and I can't, the thing about cereal is that when it's in my house or like my apartment, I can't stop thinking about it. I want it all the time. It's the weirdest thing about cereal. So then when I have a box of cereal and I finish it within like two days, obviously, I stop buying it because I need to like cut myself off. So my high right now is that I'm in my pro eating cereal phase. My low next week might be that, like, I'm out of the cereal game. I don't know. I don't know where I'm going to be in my cereal journey. But right now, I'm feeling good because I just had, like, Kellogg's 
something special K with chocolate in it. And I was like, now this, that's a good cereal. Because, I mean, in Paris, the cereal aisle is nothing compared to an American cereal aisle where you're just like, this this is the best aisle in the grocery store. In Paris, it's slim pickings. Yeah, really I don't is. think I could live without my Frosted Flakes, to be honest. No, <laughs> no, you can't. You never have. You I've never, never been have. able to. I never will. You know me with my Frosted Flakes forever. No, you. the people at home do not know that you are not joking when it's yeah. an everyday. Every day. Well, it's okay, not a, it it's changed? not as everyday anymore, but I still I always have frosted flakes and like if it's 2 p.m. and I still haven't eaten lunch and I'm still working, you bet your butt I'm going to get a bowl of frosted flakes. Like that'll tide me over until I start making dinner at 5. Um or if you know, I've had a particularly stressful day and I eat a little weed chocolate, which is legal in California, how dare you judge me? Then yes. that was for the audience, not you, Jamie. I know you never would. <laughs> And then it's like 9 p.m. and I'm watching like nailed it and they're just making all these great desserts. Yeah, I'm going to grab some Frosted Flakes. Get that sweet tooth craving. Okay. Under control. I need to say two things. So one, I have been listening to Nicole Byers podcast. Yeah. I have been binging it. So love her. I did not know that she's the host of that show because in Paris, I don't get all the Netflix things, Ugh. so I don't know what's going on ever. Like that's I, your low. That's yeah, <laughs> that is my low. I've been catching up on Modern Family because that's all I have. Yikes! <laughs> yeah, it's and I wa- and I bought episodes on Amazon of Brooklyn Nine Nine, which like that's fair. You should like that's a high, but it's also a little bit of a low because but do it for Rosa. Oh, I mean, I'll do it for all of them because I love Brooklyn Nine-Nine so much. Same. Yeah, you're doing the right thing with that choice. Yeah. So, And I bought Superstore, which is my favorite, mm. one of my favorite shows ever. Um, it seems dumb, but it's so good. Um, Noted. So, you and your Frosted Flakes. But my favorite thing is that you never diversify your cereals. Mm-mm. You have stuck to one. And I yeah. am like a... One day, one time in my cereal phase, I want, like, frosted shredded wheat. Or, like, another time I want, like, cinnamon toast crunch. And then another time I'm feeling, like, some fruity pebble vibe. So, but you are consistent about your... I'll tell you what, sometimes, even though I always have the family-sized frosted flakes, I'll buy some cinnamon toast crunch just for, like, a little change. But I buy, like, the baby box, and I go through it, like, really quick, and then I'm like, well, that was good while that lasted. Back to my one true love, Frosted Flake. If I have Cinnamon Toast Crunch in my house and whole milk, organic whole milk, I will eat the entire box in one day. My mildly lactose intolerant body would just shut down if I rocked that life. I I drink lactate now. I'm definitely almost 33. Oh. Well... Things have changed. If I have milk or cheese, which I do often, I'm in Paris. Um, my, <laughs> the, my inner ear itches, so that's oh, cool. Oh wow, okay. Well, yeah, so I have like some some lactose too. Um, but yeah, so my low is I don't get to watch any shows ever, um, and also that I have sciatica pain, and I'm now going to a physical therapist here in Paris because healthcare here is so cheap that's basically free. So um, 
I'm going to my physical therapist who is like a very surprising person in that she's like this very young, the most typical French woman that you, that all the books are written about as like the most effortless beauty of like, she's just, she looks exactly like the caricature of like French women. Um, and also this amazingly raging feminist and, and like, and so she was like doing, she was massaging my back and she's just like, just watched the handmaid's tale and was really having a lot of feelings. (laughs) Oh my God. And I was like, you'd be good on our podcast. Like, I mean, if we spoke French. Um, so yeah, those were, those were my highs and lows all kind of mixed together. Tell me. I liked it. Okay, so this week, um, my low, I'm just, I feel like I'm just emotionally exhausted. Like, after last week, my mom had her surgery, and she's doing so much better, and she's, like, healing really well, and she's doing physical therapy, and, like, she's in the other room probably listening to everything that I'm saying really carefully because she's being super quiet. (laughs) Hi, Mom. (laughs) Both in the podcast and in real life. Hi. Um, And she's doing great. But, like, taking care, being, like, a full-time caregiver is – it's hard. Like, it's tiring, and I feel, like, pretty drained. And I'm already someone who has, like – I don't have social anxiety. Like, I'm a really social person. But as I get older, I've just made my social circle smaller, and I really enjoy quiet me time much more. And I find that I need the reset a lot more. Like, because I'm so outgoing, because I'm such an extrovert, that I, like, actually need to reset and, like, fill my, like, social bar up, like, in order to go back out there, I guess. And, um, yeah, constantly, like, being there and caring and cooking breakfast and cleaning up and scheduling appointments like I'm kind of like an emotional secretary Mm -hmm, (laughs) it's mm -hmm. and it's like yeah it's just a lot and it's not like necessarily the worst low like I think you know there have been worse but I'm just tired I'm just a little tired oh yeah I love that feeling you know but working through it um and my high this week oh goodness (laughs) Just, so it's just been that silence. kind of week. <laughs> it's just been that. I mean, just because, oh, well, here, I'll tell you what. I'm I'm rewatching The Office, and I – Always a good last, idea. Yeah, last night or – yeah, I think last night we watched the episode where Michael says goodbye and Michael's last undies, and I cried so hard. And part of it is just because it's the saddest episodes, but the other part is just I really needed to cry because, like I just said, I'm emotionally exhausted. And – it felt really good. Like, I don't – I used to cry a lot. Now I, like – I'll get teary-eyed, but I won't, like, just full-blown cry. Um, and so when I do cry, it's, like – it's waterworks. Like, I'll start laughing, and then I'll cry even more because I'm laughing so hard that my emotions, like, go insane. Isn't that know. funny when you, like – when you're crying, but then you're also so excited that you're crying, and you're like, oh – Oh, oh, and then you want to watch more things to make you cry more because it feels so good. Yeah, and good news, that's the two saddest episodes of the entire, like, series back-to-back, so I was able to cry even more. Oh, great. Also, spoiler alert, in case you haven't watched The Office, I don't know. If you haven't watched The Office, 
and that ruined it for you, stop. Just stop, stop. and reevaluate your life. Stop. How dare you? Stop everything. Just like, stop. Just I can't. It's not like I just told you the end of Infinity War. Like, you need to chill. It's been out, okay? Like, when that episode aired and I wasn't even, I didn't even know who my husband was. We hadn't even met yet when that episode aired, so. Speaking of husbands, all I wanted was to marry Jim Halpert. Also, honestly, Jim pre-art school. I know. He was not as supportive of Pam as he should have been. It was not good. I mean, I get it. Like, I've also had some mishaps where my, like, insecurities in my marriage take over. And I don't want, like, Anthony to do something for himself that would maybe potentially negatively affect our, like, love for each other. But, like, that's not really how love works. Like, that's selfish. That's just being selfish. That's not... It's fucked up. And I can look back on it and be like, oh, that was fucked up and rude. But don't, I just, anyway, let's not. Okay. (laughs) We can start a different podcast about the over every single episode of The Office, which it's not a horrible idea. But yeah, so my really, truly my high this week was feeling like really deep, like cathartic, tear filled, filled feelings. And it was, it was good. It was really good. Well, on that note, we should probably get into... So today we're talking about the concept of choosing happiness. And you cannot see me, but I have air quotes. A lot of air quotes. Choosing Choosing is a word that we're using, but that what does that mean? That's really what we're here to talk about. What does that even mean? Like happiness as it relates to work and making art and life and everything because it's it's a topic it's it's a very interesting elusive thing that we're all kind of chasing and yet we don't know where it is we're told it's in this direction and then that direction and so I think we just it's time to unpack this yeah I like it I'll start off all right my I have always had a very hard time being happy Like it's been, it is not something that comes naturally to me. I have a bit of a, I won't even say a bit, that's watering it down. I can veer negative very quickly and very easily. That is like comfort zone is to be negative um, and not really see like the good in everything. I mean, I've talked about, you know, I can get jealous, I can get, I can have my my things. Um, that's just my I have to be honest. Um, but I have really always thought that like being happy is pretty elusive and difficult to grasp. Um, so I've thought a lot about what does it take to be happy. I mean, I've also like had issues with anxiety, definitely like anxiety that spirals into depression, and mm-hmm. you know, just like times very a good amount of times in my 20s that just like don't exist anymore because I was just in like a a dark hole so um used to have like pretty unhealthy coping mechanisms such as like getting pretty drunk and trying Mm -hmm. mostly just to like feel something because I think like depression is so much about being numb And it's not about really, I mean, it is about being sad, but even that, like there's an act, there's something to that feeling. Whereas I always experience depression as being like pretty numb. 
And so used to drink in order to feel something. Um, I still, I don't not drink now. I still drink, but it's very rare. And even when I do, it's like one or two drinks. It's not like binge drinking as I used to do. And I don't have my coping mechanisms anymore. Like I don't rely on those anymore. And I really have to face myself. That's been a thing in the past few years, um, ever since like kind of late 20s. And so I've thought a lot about what does it mean to choose happiness? Is it a choice? Can you make it a choice? Can you control it? Um, Or is it just something that you have to like sneak up on at one point and hope that it sticks? Um, Like, can you make healthy choices or are you always just like doomed to be who you always are and you don't get to make changes? Yeah. I mean, I've I've been always interested in this. So what are your what are your thoughts? Yeah. So I definitely am of the like world that everyone has a baseline for happiness that is like unique to themselves. And and I think that it's really easy for people to project that onto others, right? Like, oh, well, this is my perceived experience. So that probably is everyone else's. Um, not to get all existential, but I think about that when it comes to like how people see color and how people hear music. Like every experience that we have is unique to ourselves. And sometimes there's no way to put into words what that is like. Um, for me, I think... My happiness baseline is a lot, if there's like a scale from 1 to 10, 10 being like the most joy in the entire world, I'm like higher up on the scale. I go from a 6 and 7 in baseline. And I honestly, so like you, Jamie, I have struggled with anxiety a lot. I think I've struggled with anxiety longer and for far more frequently um far, far more like longer stretches of my life unchecked than depression um depression hadn't really I actually honestly do not think that I had truly ever felt depressed until the last two years which is super interesting um mm-hmm. I think I would get sad and I think you know I would get into spirals um but my low swing never actually sent me fully into depression and now um that I have experienced like months long periods of depression. Um, I've done a lot more work with a therapist to figure out how do I reset my baseline. So like for me, depression looks like my baseline going from a six or a seven down to like a four. And like four is standard. And then I can get lower if I'm sad or I can go up into like if I'm lucky a five or six kind of thing. But I don't get back into that like, okay, baseline is just pretty good, right? It's like, I'm oh, baseline's always no motivation, no joy. Even when I do feel joy, it, it just is base, what I'm used to. It's my standard baseline. So does any of that even make sense? Yes. Yes. No, that makes sense. And I think you have always, over the course of our friendship, you have always been the, the happier one. Like, or like yeah. the more positive or more carefree I think yeah. I would say I have a lot of optimism for how much bad shit has happened in my life yeah and you are less fearful yeah and, and oh and you're less guarded than me fair I'm yeah. a very guarded for as friendly as I am 
and I am so freaking friendly that like people, strangers just come up and talk to me on the street, literally all the time. The newest thing is even in Paris, people think I work at clothing stores. So they always just come up to me and they're like, do you have this in my size? And I'm like, I don't know you, I don't work here. Uh, I'm like, I'm at Zara, what are you doing? <laughs> The older I get, the more deep my my brow scowl gets. And so people don't talk to me in public anymore. And I love it. <laughs> like, I just don't. I'm very happy and joyful. And and if you see me in person, say hi. But no, but seriously, like, I just, I, at some point, like, my brain turned off in being able to interact with strangers in public. It's just like, That's nah. fair. No, no, I mean. thank you. That plays out when we've gone to, like, Disneyland. Yeah. Everyone talks to me and like nobody talks to you. And I'm like, but I'm kind of like, don't talk to me. I want to just like, <laughs> just blend in. But that. anyway, so I get, yeah, I'm a guarded person in terms of like letting people in. And you have yeah. always, I mean, the whole thing with our friendship was always like me being like, be careful, Jess. <laughs> And you oh, being yeah. like, well, I'm just going to do it. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to have to deal with the fallout of this. But No, I literally okay. was in love with everyone in high school and college. Like everyone. every person, even if it wasn't even a date, like it was like some, you know, met them at a bar one night stand. Like they were the love of my life and the most important thing that ever happened to me. And here are all the lessons they taught me. And Jamie was like, oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, I was could like, you actually not though? Like that's absurd. Yeah. I mean – I was an English major, so I liked making up stories. <laughs> That's fair. That's really I just fair like and true. lived in fantasy. So, um, but I think something that I worked through with my therapist was ways to bring the baseline back. Like, how do you how do you reset this like negative slump and how do you do it in a way that isn't dependent for me often on like feeding your ego um mm. yeah because feeding my ego if my ego is bruised it to me and like personally that's my trigger into going into depression feeling unworthy feeling not good enough a lot of those things um and this is especially true. So I call it the trifecta. It's work, relationship, friendship. If my if two of those things are out of whack, like it totally will send me into that like I'm not good enough ego bruised spiral. Mm. Um, and so part of it is if those things are a, a miss or some things are wrong, it's actually taking the time and intentionally fixing them, like working on them. So communicating with friends where maybe I'm not communicating with them because I've removed myself from social activities or working through some issues with my partner um or giving my agent a call and being like what's up how do I get work um you know actually like taking the step even if I do not want to to go out of my way to make sure I'm actively fixing those things and like I can still be unhappy and still be experiencing depression but make the choice to say I'm gonna reach out to three friends and like tell them I'm not doing okay and tell them I need their support a little more and ask if we can go get coffee for like 20 minutes in the day so I can like baby step my way out of this um the other thing and I I do this typically when I am pretty deep in the shit is um I call it like the gratitude um like I just put gratitude out there so 
on Twitter, if you follow me there, you'll notice sometimes I just at the end of the day list three things that I'm grateful for that happened that day. And it is like, I'm not shy about it. And I don't try and sugarcoat it. Like it is definitely my way of trying to pull myself back to what for me is perceived as like a happy baseline. Um, If I'm not looking at all of the things that bring me joy with intention, then I do not see them. It's like they don't exist. I only mm-hmm. focus on the negative and the bad. Um, so yeah, those are like my coping mechanisms for, at least for me, when I know that mental illness and my depression are coming into my life in a more um, destructive way. That's Those are the ways that I like try and get out of it. And like you said, Jamie, I'm I've always been an open book and like really vulnerable and I find that doing that when I'm in the thick of it always helps at least me like begin the process of getting out. Mhm. Yeah. I see I think what you're talking about is is like I believe that you can choose happiness but it's not the in the way that people say it is where it's like you can't just be like I choose happiness and all of a sudden it's just like (laughs) your fairy godmother comes like and birds are flying around you yeah Yeah. you're just like snow white basically um (laughs) somehow and it's like that is not true it's what I've realized in the past couple of years and this was a revelation to me but I realized that you that you can choose happiness in the sense where you say okay I deserve to be happy because I'm a person, not because of any merit or anything else, but like I just exist, so I deserve to be happy. Being happy can be my natural state. Like setting setting those intentions and being like, I prioritize, it's more like instead of choosing it, it's like I prioritize my happiness. And so that makes a different intention about everything in life. So when I started doing that because I had spent so many years of my 20s just kind of doing the I'll be happy when game. So it was I'll be happy when I get this client or I'll be happy when I have this amount of money or when I lose weight or when I um, get my book deal or all these things. Yeah. And it was always just and they were so they part of them. Some of them were like arbitrary. Some of them were like actual measurable goals, like getting a book deal or something. Um, But a lot of them were just ways, placeholders to say, like, I'm not choosing my happiness right now. I'm choosing to somehow invest my current suffering in my happiness one day. Maybe it'll pay off. Um, And so I started to really examine this idea of, like, I'll be happy when. I'll be happy when. Um, And I was like, so when is not going to happen? Because I keep, every time I hit that goal or something, I just keep moving it forward and go, oh, okay, like happiness was the the carrot. I would just like dangle in front of myself on like a fishing line, like, hey, <laughs> keep coming. And it was like, okay, I'm exhausted. So can I just be happy? And that was a really interesting shift that happened because everything in my life changed, actually. I was like, okay, if being happy is literally the only thing that matters to me what has to change in my life and it was like okay so so everything because I'm not actually actively choosing that right now I'm choosing 
um, to suffer for a book deal or I'm choosing to struggle and I'm choosing this. And there are enough struggles and enough hard things in life that just naturally happen. I don't have to choose anything else, which I, I had things within, like there are things that are within our control. And I know for a fact at that time, and even currently, there are things within my control. Like I was like, okay, I know for a fact that being it, like being stressed and struggling with money is consistently and all the time making me unhappy because I kept waiting for a windfall. Like in, in the freelance world, it's very easy to think that like one day I'm going to get that windfall of money <laughs> and then I'm going to pay off all my credit card debt and I'm going to be golden. And then, and then that doesn't happen usually. Or it could happen and then you build it all back up again because you have a bad couple months or you have a bad year. Yeah. It's like, okay, so reset just to get back to where I was. Yep. So I was like, okay, so I keep waiting for something that is not going to happen that often. And if it does, I would rather be in like a stable place. So if I do get a windfall, I can say, putting all this in my savings. Awesome. Um, so I had to like rework everything. I had to rework my business. I had to rework how I thought about myself. I had to rework my lifestyle. Like I used to think, and this sucks to admit it, but like I used to think all the things that I do now are boring. Like I I would say like having habits and going to the gym and like caring about how much you spend. It's like, ugh boring. I mean, I had to change everything when I decided to choose happiness and it was just not like an overnight thing, but that's how I think about it now. It's like, if my primary goal is to be happy, then there's a lot of things that have to change. Like I can't continually choose to be miserable or like suffer for these ideas and ideals of who I should be and what I should do. Like, I don't know. I, I want to be happy now. I don't want to be happy like 10 years from now. I want to actually like my life now. Part of the reason why, hello, I'm in Paris. So I was like, it, this is gonna, this is not a one day thing. Like one day win. I want to do it. Like I want to do it. We have the means. Um, I have the job. Like let's do it. Yeah, I think part of my all being able to take a step back and look at the big picture even when I'm struggling with my mental health and like be thankful for everything that I do have on like a macro scale as opposed to focusing in on the like minor things that are either triggering my unhappiness or are affecting my mental health um I think a lot of that comes from the fact that like my dad was 38 when he died and like you do not know when things when, when like your life is you know gonna be cut short and when like you're gonna run out of time and I think having seen that when I was five years old means that like I just do not take my gratitude like I just I can't take the good that I have in my life for granted and like I know that that kind of counter is like contradicts the depression that I experienced, but it's even more of a reason for me to be like, my depression is not a choice. Like to me, that is such a, it has been such a lesson in like 
the concept of depression and what it means to be depressed and like I I know now that I truly never did understand what that meant because I can be depressed and I can be having a depressive episode and not be like unhappy which is such a weird thing to say like I can still look at everything in my life that's good and be appreciative and thankful and know that I am like super lucky to have friends like you Jamie and live in an amazing apartment and have like the best dog in the world but I got dagger yeah the best but like none of that really affects or improves your mental health like that it's just so far out of your control when you're experiencing those lows so um it's such an interesting like place to be in knowing that like when I am depressed I know I want to be out of it and I know I want to be happy and I know that I'm capable of that but like like I just feel so stuck like how do you how do you pick that when your brain is like sabotaging everything oh that's the best question there is (laughs) it's like that's I, I always I'm always trying to figure that out because the more that I do a lot of like do have a lot of these healthy habits the more I'm like sometimes it's just totally out of my control and I have to take I have to do everything that I can because I know I struggle and I do and I can spiral into depression quite easily. Mm -hmm. Um, I have to do everything that I can within my power to head that off. You know, like I there are certain things that I know really work for me and but it still doesn't like like right now I so in Paris I've had to get a new prescription for birth control and it's like as close to my birth control as I had in the states but isn't the same and I'm on my third day of it and like this morning I was just in some serious serious anxiety and I was like okay this is not this is like hormonal this is not Mm -hmm based in anything in reality which is a good that's the good part of having put in a lot of self-inquiry and a lot of work into being my like choosing a lot of healthy parts because now I know I'm like this isn't act this isn't like based in anything that's really happening like it's not it's not my fault <laughs> you it's know? chemical yeah like this is chemical my body is reacting to something i am i have hormones like we have hormones we have a lot of things that go in our bodies that like do things that i mean i don't even think there has been um like we haven't even skimmed the surface of like our cycles and how that affects us and yet yeah. it's a thing that really, really affects us. Oh, man. I remember, so I can't remember the last time I wasn't on birth control, maybe eight or nine years ago. I, I think I got off it for like a year just because before that it had been since I was like 16. Um, and I was like, I just want to see what my what my what I'm like. Like I have no idea what who I am without chemically altering my body. Mm-hmm. Oh, that was a very big mistake. It turns out I am so rude. <laughs> like, 
just the rudest. And okay, so um, my periods when I'm not on birth control are like 10 days long. And my cycle is a 20 day cycle. So it's like, I basically have my period every two and a half weeks. Cool. Cool, 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 cool. Super cool. sweet. Six, six, six. Just like endlessly bleeding. Like, how are you alive? <laughs> you should not be alive. Oh, um, so I learned God. that about myself. And then I also learned that, like, when you're constantly about to be on your period, you are forever, like, it's still hormones, right? Like, your body is just producing hormones in, like, a fucked up way. Well, mine was. And so, I, I, but I had no idea, right? Like, I'd never been not on birth control. So, I just didn't know. Oh, boy, I would not do that again. Um, but I relate, like, really intensely to that birth control switch. That moment of, like, okay, I'm going to choose to no longer take this method and go to this method. And how, like intensely that affects you um i recently got my iud reinserted after being on a different birth control and boy did that send me into some sort of it wasn't even a spiral i just was like all over the fucking place i wanted to murder everyone and then i was like everything is great and wonderful and fine like 45 minutes later jamie knows i was texting her a lot (laughs) during that period Yeah. yeah um it it's and that's such an intense thing too like i always think about you know being on birth control and being a woman and going through these hormonal changes and being in a work environment like none of those are things that are really discussed often and i also think talking about mental health in a corporate work environment or even in a freelance work environment which is even more strenuous to some people um, it's just not, I just, I feel like it's not talked about. And I would have loved when I was working at corporate companies, if it was like, Hey, here's what my mental health like triggers are. Here are things that, you know, I may display or like behaviors that may occur and here's how you can help. And like, here are positive ways to interact with me during those times and I'll try my best to communicate it. It's just like not a thing. Like it's a taboo. It's almost as taboo as bringing up what your salary is. Well, yeah, like we're discussing this pretty openly, but in a corporate environment, like we, I think our, our, it's skewed because I talk about this with people all the time, but I mean, most of my friends are freelancers or, you know, in more like maybe non-traditional jobs. And so totally. it's more talked about. But at the same time, it is it is still very taboo to even say, like, I struggle with a mental illness. Like, I had a really hard time because in, um, like, November of 2016, um, as, as was a lot of people – um, in the States, we were having a hard time. And I went to an urgent care. Like, I didn't even go to a psychologist. I just, like, went to an urgent care because my health insurance was literally so shitty. I couldn't even see a psychologist. Cool. Um, or a psychiatrist. And I went to an urgent care and I was like, give me anti-anxiety medication. Like, I need it. I need it right now. I cannot function. I'm not okay. Like, I need this to just do my normal life. And I was like, I'll do all the things. I'll exercise. I'll eat well. Like, I'll meditate. I'll do it all. 
but I need this. And so yeah. all of 2017, I was on anti-anxiety medication and I had a lot of feelings about that because even though that was something that I needed and I had to admit that to myself and really make that a priority, I also felt like, why can't I just fix this on my own? And why do I need to be taking this? And um, and then after a year, I wanted to be off it and I had to really like taper off it very slowly, even though I was totally. taking a very small dosage, I wanted to make sure that like, cause I was working and I, as a freelancer, like no one does my job for me <laughs> if I don't do my job. So yeah. I have to like be on it all the time. And so I had to like do all this research about tapering off this. There were like horror stories and everything about it. Um, but like that was something that had to be done. And I, it, it got me to a place where like I could just even start thinking about being okay. It was, I wasn't even like, can I just be happy at that point in 2016? I was like, I just need to be like, okay. And not feel crushing, debilitating anxiety every single time I wake up. Because if I feel that the moment I wake up, I'm like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, I'm like, oh my God. And like, for me, I think I already said this, but like I, and I think with a lot of people, but it took me a lot of time to realize this was that like anxiety is the warning. It's like ding, 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 like pay attention. Or if you ignore this, like all of a sudden you're going to be on the couch, like incapable of getting up and like so numb to the world that you can't imagine a time where you've ever been happy again. So please pay attention. Like anxiety is the, okay, don't, don't ignore this. Um, and so that was a big thing to have to do. And like part of it was just I needed to be able to function and be like and be productive, even not, not in like a hugely productive way, but also like the difference between now and that time. Like there is so much now that I do and how much I manage my time and everything that like I couldn't have even imagined like the person I am now 2016 me would have been like no that's not possible we are a crumbling pile of worry and anxiety and fear like what what is happening yeah I mean and what's interesting I think we have grown up as children in like a lot of turmoil like that I honestly actually think that that's a really interesting thing to look at and discuss in elementary school it was you know our president was being impeached for essentially taking advantage of a younger woman and and his position of power and at the time it was not viewed like that she was thrown under the damn bus and like made out to be a crazy woman and then in college or in high school it was 9-11 and and the bush era well into our college years um watching our friends going off to iraq like people we literally knew in mm -hmm. high school dying um and then now you know we had those like blissful eight years in our 20s i feel like where like nothing could go wrong and i felt like i was invincible and i lived in san francisco and like the worst thing that happened was prop eight you know and even that, like, we came out the other side of it, like, pretty quickly, to be honest. 
And now here we are in our 30s and this is happening. And then like couple that on top of like crippling student debt, nobody being able to buy a damn house, which is like supposed to be the American dream. Everybody has the worst health insurance and all of us have anxiety. (laughs) It's like, yo, what happened? Like our poor generation. (laughs) Which I, yeah. And I, it's so true, which I think like for a long time, I thought there's no like it, the goal is not to ever be happy so why even try because there's too much going on and like there's so much to be sad about all the time and like so much angst around that but actual real angst not like made up angst because there was real things happening um but then i i think i got to this point and it was in this like couple of years ago time and over the past two years where i was like I I cannot keep doing this to myself. Like I totally the only thing that I can do is try to find like pockets of joy. And like I was like, where are they though? And so it's been, but it has also in doing that have has made me feel kind of selfish because I've had to um kind of tune out a lot of things. Like I'm still very informed. I still know what's going on, but not to the extent where I am like refreshing everything all the time and like being up to date on every single tiny thing where I was because I was just like oh my god like I'm gonna lose I'm actually gonna lose my mind it's not a it's not a maybe kind of thing and I've already had such a hard time like especially in my 20s getting out of the hole that I was like okay so I have to find a way to figure out joy and happiness and because I'm I'm very I relate very hard to what you said about the gratefulness. Like if I don't constantly remind myself, I will just go off into a thought string, a string of thoughts that I'm like, how did I get here? Like I was just liking this thing. And now all of a sudden I've convinced myself that it's like terrible for me. I'm like, where did that go? <laughs> where do, where did I go? Um, and I have to like bring it back to like, my mom always says, hi, mom, again. <laughs> uh, my mom always says that I overthink everything. Yeah. Oh, well. all right. <laughs> Sorry. I didn't Good mean times. for that guys to be so enthusiastic. Oh, my God. Have you guys but... talked about this? Like... I mean, I did work for her for a very long time. We had many solo <laughs> chats. But we also had this conversation last week, literally. Like, you are your own self-saboteur. Yeah. Well, isn't everybody, though? True. Like fair to varying degrees that like, yeah, the bit, the person that's in our way is us usually. That's a good point. It's just some people, <clears throat> straight white men, um, get to like, uh, have <laughs> an open road where they don't have yeah. a, their doubts are not being constantly fed back to them all the totally. time. Yeah. So it's like, good for you. Great. Yeah. Here's a weird thing I just thought of and remembered when you were um, talking about, like, the things that you do to bring yourself back. Um, I found that when I was having my, like, dear God, what do I do? I can't stop looking at the big picture panic. Um, I went to temple. I'm like, I I honestly Mm. don't even really consider myself super religious. Like, I was raised Jewish and I had my bat mitzvah, but, like, kind of fell off the – I mean, I was super Jewish. Let's not – be obtuse like oh I went deep into being a Jew and I was very proud of it and I still am like you know that doesn't really go away um but for me I think it was being around like-minded people 
especially in 2016 at the end there, um, being around like-minded people who also were feeling that same kind of dread and just coming together and being like, we all feel this way. And that means that like, there is some hope, like something Mm -hmm. can be done. Like we are a very large group of people in a major metropolitan city, which has to be mirrored in other cities if we're here doing this coming together on a Friday night and just talking about how difficult this is and like being with each other. And I think even though it, for the most part, it was strangers other than my good friend um, who I went with, even though it was strangers, it felt comforting to be around strangers who also had the same concerns. And I think, you know, I went to the women's March and I felt the same way there of like, Sure, there's probably a lot of people who are here just to get some dope Instagram stories, but there are also people here who are here with intention and who want the world to be better and who want the world that we all live in to be better. And like, it was pretty comforting at a time when I was feeling like there was no hope and comfort could not be given. It was pretty surprising to look around at strangers and feel like, okay, this actually might be okay maybe one day well i think that that's part one the part that i think is a little bit tricky about the like choosing happiness and and feeling it and giving it this like uh, it almost makes it kind of trite or like flippant of being like just like decide to be happy (laughs) which it's like mostly the people that say that um tend to be like oppressive so it's like okay um but i can't be happy until things change so i i feel like i look at it as kind of like a a pie chart so here's the amount of things that i can change and control and here's the part that needs to be changed like outside of me so because like yes we can we don't get discriminated against because of our white skin but so that's one thing we don't have to worry about but like people of color absolutely have to worry about that and that's a part that they can't control of like their happiness and joy and even like safety in the world so i feel like this idea of saying choosing happiness is it gets a little muddled because it makes it seem like So if someone's like racist towards you, just like choose to be happy and like don't think about it. Or like if someone says a comment about your weight or something from like a fat phobic place, it's like, just be cool about it. Like, don't care. Just be happy. And all of this is to say it's like connects back to you going to temple is a way of you like controlling an aspect of it. Yeah. It doesn't make it okay that like, there is all of this like um, discrimination against Jews at the moment, and like yeah, intense anti-Semitism right yeah, now. Yeah, like there's <laughs> yeah, that's coming up in another in a nice big way again. Um, great, <laughs> dope. Yeah, cool, cool, cool. <laughs> but like you can control that part of yourself. You can't yeah. control that. Like there's this other part that you can't control that has to be talked about. Where it's like. You can't just say everything is within your control because that gives that gives actually the oppressors the out. That's who it serves. Yeah. And the other thing, too, for me is like 
it would be easy for me to choose to not go to temple. It would be easy for me to choose to say to distance myself, given the intense uptick in anti-Semitism in America. But instead, I wanted to dig in deeper. Like I wanted to be closer to the community that I value and that helped raise me and and the value system that I was raised on that did bring me a lot of joy during hard times for me and I think part of that too was like I think I mean it was cathartic in a way to be like acknowledging the choice that I had to make between walking away and like distancing my affiliation versus saying like no this is who I am and I I'm not going to back down or be ashamed or be quiet about it because now is not the time. And if I do that, it means that, you know, people, my my people, like, have smaller numbers and stand less of a chance to fight against this. And, yeah, I mean, for me, that actually did bring me happiness to say I'm not going to sit on the sidelines and say nothing. Well, it's kind of like you in your own way – being defiant against yeah. like okay you want to shame me like discrimination is shame like it's about saying you're lesser you are inferior and it's about saying i don't i don't believe that and so instead of cowering away and trying to hide this part of my identity so that i don't know what maybe no one will notice that i'm this it's like no, I'm actually going to step more into it. And I can see how that would be very cathartic. Like, I I have my own experience. It's not nearly the same or in the same gravity at all. But, like, I have chosen to be more visible in my body um, yeah. as opposed to cowering away and hiding and being less visible, even though it feels kind of – doesn't feel super safe to be – not even just in this body, but like to be any different, to be different yeah. at all. Like this, to be anything but the status quo, which is like white, thin, very like conventional features. Um, it feels dangerous a little bit to be like. And so I think that that's a big part of like choosing a different, choosing to be different and accepting that and not saying like, okay, I believe you. I am inferior, so I am gonna hide. Like, I, I believe you, you're right. So now I'm gonna have to, you know, be less visible to you. Don't draw as much attention to myself. Like then, it, then it's like they win. I feel like a lot of this is like at the root of what it means to be an artist too, which is so interesting. Mm. Like I just thought of that, which is like, part of art is like in a way defiance like I feel like there's so many especially in the 60s and the 70s like there's so many deep roots in like art as social and political commentary and not even in like a subconscious way like maybe not actively intentionally doing that but I don't I find the artists that I love the most are making comments on things that are outside of the norm yeah well if art like i think art that is outside of the norm and has a point of view it yeah i mean it's very naturally defiant because it's like 
it, it goes beyond who gets to decide. It's like to do art, you have to have a certain amount of gravitas and you have to like believe yourself at least kind of worthy to have a voice to say something, whether that's whatever way you say it, it doesn't have to necessarily be with your voice, but you, you have to believe you have something worth saying. And that is directly against this idea that like, by the nature of your body type, your religion, your skin tone, where you came from, that you're inferior in some way, because you're saying like, no, I deserve to be heard, whether no matter how I'm heard. Well, and I feel like whenever I see people being like telling someone who is well known in their craft, why don't you stick to this instead of commenting on political or social things? That is like the most classic like oppressor reaction. Oh. <laughs> like, why don't you stick to acting? Why don't you stick to modeling? Why don't you stick to taking photos? And it's like, Do you not think that all of those things, first of all, those things don't negate me from being a person who's alive in this world and experiencing, you know, unjust behavior, but also those are all the more reason for someone to like step up and say something. Because I think when you're an actor or when you're a painter, when you're a photographer, like you are seeing the world in a far more and experiencing the world in a far more empathetic way like a heightened empathetic way so for someone to be like you don't get to make a comment on that now is like so confusing to me well it's also like i've been commenting on it you just haven't picked up the subtleties (laughs) now i'm just being fucking i'm not being subtle at all you know like that's the thing it's like when you take a picture it like I, i mean there's so many ways to defy the status quo and some people Mm -hmm. just don't get it i mean is there a handbook out there though for those people because they always say the same things it's like oh stick to this and stick to that it's like did you guys all get a memo how do you all know the things to say (laughs) yeah so funny um yeah wow this was this this okay so for the people at home (laughs) This was supposed to be our light episode. <laughs> yeah. We, were, we like, were like, let's talk about something um, happy. Let's think of a topic where we can talk about like joyful things. We go really deep in on, on some, some serious. Uh, sorry. Well, but not sorry. But not sorry. It was, an, it was interesting. I actually didn't even realize that we'd been talking for an hour. So yeah. um, I hope you enjoy. <laughs> yeah. Now we need to wrap up. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, yeah well I mean choosing happiness what a weird concept like I think really what it comes down to is like if you're struggling or if you are finding that you're not feeling joy like if you are able to taking a step into something that brings you joy I mean for Jamie and I for a while it was literally just going to Disneyland but you know whatever that is like the concept of experiencing the stuff that does bring you joy watch a comedy special do whatever like tiny things but like live in that moment like experience it like truly pay attention to those happy feelings and like try and focus on it hopefully hopefully it helps like that's really all I can do and I think that's kind of all anyone can do yeah and just like I had a hard time we didn't even get into this and I won't go go too far into it but I had a hard time allowing myself to be happy. So, 
that's something to think about too because when I write about that and on Instagram and when I talk about that, people go, oh, whoa, I didn't even know that that's how I feel. And I was like, yeah, that was a big thing for me to say. I allow it because it also pulls in that idea of like, I deserve it. Like I am worthy yeah. of being happy, not just based on my existence. Um, yeah. So that was that was big. And um, we'll wrap on, please go to feelingfeelings.co and come to all our social medias and tell, tell us all your thoughts, obviously. Um, and maybe... Maybe review us, rate us. Yeah, if you're listening on iTunes, because you can't do this on Google Play. Oh right, yeah, which yeah, is yeah. a bummer. But if you're listening on iTunes and uh, the Apple Podcast app, and you've enjoyed it, and you feel like writing like a one sentence review, why do you like it? What are you getting out of it? Maybe something that would help, uh, you know, somebody trying to make the choice about whether or not to subscribe. If we're like super cool, and you just feel like you're our new best friend i mean i won't put m words in your mouth but that's a pretty good one <laughs> but like you could take that you could say you that. could just take that <laughs> you could just write that um yeah like it would be super awesome and, and helpful mostly for other people to find this um you know we want to help expand this community and make sure that we're creating a place where um other artists are not feeling so alone yeah definitely and you know, it wouldn't hurt to get on that new and noteworthy. It's true. That would it's be true. a big milestone. I wouldn't be upset about it. Um, this has been uh, Feeling Feelings. I'm Jessica Zulman.